Live from Columbus, it's the Zone of Truth. On this historic 69th episode, Griff and I explore the real world and in-game deity Lamashtu, Mother of Monsters, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve, in the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the Zone of Truth. And we're back. We're back. back. Live. Back with a bang. Yes. 69. Yeah. uh, Historic episode 69. And we're closer than ever. Closer than ever. Real real tip to tip means. (laughs) Yeah. What that actually means. uh, I know we have some live people watching us on camera right now. But for those of you listening at home. You're missing out. First of all. Griffin and I are closer than we've ever been recording one of these. Um, We have turned the table sideways. And it is a rectangular uh i did a little rectangular motion for the camera so they know yeah um table they couldn't see it no they couldn't see it and so we are on but we're both on the long end looking across the table directly at each other yeah it's going great i think it is i think Mm -hmm. it's perfect i don't see anything wrong with this setup no it's kind of weird like when Haley switches to my camera and then i'm kind of like hold on i can actually get comfortable and i I'm not in Steve's piece of the camera. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a weird sensation, but I like it. Yeah, understandable. The three camera setup is something new for us. Yeah, it's going great. We're just trying it out today. Yeah, and it's it's fun. You know, we, we get different angles of us. I yeah. think the chat's lighting up. They really appreciate it. Um, get to see us from basically all angles. People are going crazy. Yeah, I mean, who knew? All you had to do was pay ten bucks a month, and you get your very unbitch cam. <laughs> <laughs> Lives out of truth setup. Indeed. All right, Griffin. Well, for this historic 69th episode, what are you drinking today? I am drinking a little bit of Larceny bourbon. Ooh. On the rocks. Nice. And I got the rest of the bottle. Perfect. On the table. How about you? Well, as for myself, I'm doing something a little special. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a big fan of the original pack of Michelob organic seltzers. It's a very good pack. And there's three flavors in there. There's a spicy pineapple. There is a oh shit, a green one. And then the there's an orange one. The green one. Kind of forget what they all are, but I, I know I like them I'm a big fan of the all. pack. I just don't remember any of the flavors. Well, here's the deal. They're changing things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they added a fourth flavor. It's a red one. It's watermelon strawberry. Ooh, that sounds good. And I'm, I'm a sip of that. I have not tried it yet. So this is breaking news. What am I going to think of the fourth Michelob seltzer? Uh-oh. It's a new Michelob to your virgin lips. <sighs> this is, I'm, I'm actually a little worried. It's a true 69. All right, here we go. I think that belongs. It's pretty good. Yeah. The Michelob seltzers are pretty refreshing. I do like them. Ooh, I do like that. Yeah. I do like that quite a bit. The strawberry is a little stronger than I thought it might be. Certainly, yeah. But it's a, it's a good combination. I like yeah. it a lot. I, it doesn't even really taste like that artificial watermelon. It just kind of tastes like watermelon, hint of watermelon. Indeed. Strawberry. Very good. All right, man. Well, let's get into it. What have you been up to lately? What have I been up to? Haley and I have crested the third season of Hunter Hunter. Oh, nice. Um, so it's been, I know I brought this up on a previous Zone of Truth. I, I'm enjoying the show. I think it's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been really into the new Taco Bell uh, chicken 
taco. The is it the, the chicken sandwich taco? Yeah, the chicken sandwich taco. Man, oh I, my! We had those I think last weekend, and then I couldn't get enough of them. I so, had them last night. Oh come on! On Sunday, because I think we had them on maybe on Friday or Saturday night. On Sunday, I went back to Taco Bell. Yeah, and got make I, a trip back. I sat in the drive-through line for like twenty-five minutes. This is after we recorded our big stream, which I think we're going to talk about in a second. And then my location didn't have them. What? Yeah, it was such a punch to the gut. Oh, you don't sit in a fucking Taco Bell drive-thru and not... It was truly depressing. Wow. But those are so good. They're snackable. They're so yeah. small. They're like... they're. I think the bun is smaller than a regular taco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just they like are, a chicken strip in it. But the chicken strip's nice and crunchy. Mm-hmm. As long as you don't get a place that skimps on the sauce, I say... Yep. Uh, it's worthwhile. You probably want to order like two. Mm-hmm. But very good. Yeah. And uh, the new season, season three of what we do in the shadows is out. So that's been really good. Yes. Uh, three episodes are out right now. And we watched the third last night and I'm just loving that show. Oh, man, it is so good. I've only seen the first two episodes of the new season. I haven't seen the third one yet, but it holds up. Oh, yeah. It's been very good. God. There's some interactions in the latest. The werewolves are back. Let's mm-hmm. say that. Oh, thank God. Yeah. What a what a what a vampire. You're really gonna before. appreciate episode three. Oh. Is all I will say. Okay. Like the song "Supermassive Black Hole." Fuck yes. <laughs> in the episode. I am so excited. <laughs> Do they play baseball? Don't ruin it for me. Don't ruin it for me. Oh man, I want them to play baseball. So <laughs> but it's. It had me laughing pretty good, especially with the recent Twilight revival. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Well, I can speak to that if, unless you have anything else going on here. That's about it. On All my right. End. So, keeping the people up to date, what's going on with my relationship with Twilight? I have not watched Breaking Dawn Part Two for my second time yet. I'm getting there. Unfortunately, that's probably not going to be this weekend. We have too busy of a schedule. But I am still reading New Moon, and there was something very shocking that takes place in that book that I texted Haley about this morning and she did not respond. Oh. Yeah. No, I did send you, though, a TikTok yes, about you Twilight. Did. You sent me the TikTok <laughs> about Twilight and then I responded back with this and then you didn't respond to me. So I'm only a little upset, but Sorry. not fully accept. Stardew Valley. All right. So, well, that makes sense. So in New Moon, Taylor Lautner delivers one of the best lines in cinematic history. He says, if you're sick, why don't you go to the hospital? Maybe I should put you in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that, that sucks. That is something that must have come from the book because what screenwriter would put those words to a page? Not in the book. Not in the book. Yeah, that wow. blew my mind. That's nuts. So, yeah, really crazy. Sense. Crazy, crazy world we live in. Um, I'm also watching American Horror Story season 10, which is on Hulu right now. And it's actually really good. It is a story about a couple that moves to this town in Massachusetts. It's right on the water. Basically, it's a tourist town, but they're going during the winter. It feels a little Lovecrafty. I was going to say, this is supposed to be the double feature Lovecraft season, isn't it? Yes. And, well, I think first half is Lovecraft. Second half is supposed to be Alien. That's what I mean. It's a double feature. So part of it is Lovecraft. Which, so far, I think I've seen about three episodes of it. It actually is my favorite season in a very long time. And I appreciate that the stories are going to be shorter because I feel like a lot of the problems that I have with American Horror Story is that late season bloat where they're yeah. just truly trying to fit like kill time. Yeah, like uh, 
they're usually what 10 episode seasons i think so yeah, yeah like the seven and eight are usually pretty shitty oh yeah <laughs> they really usually take a nosedive in the back third but so far it's been pretty good i've actually been enjoying it i do have a very complicated relationship with the series but this is a, a high note for me and then finally we didn't have anything going on this past wednesday which is a surprise with our schedules these days so i treated myself and i went to go see a movie in theaters you know I, I was masked up and sitting far away from people and everything, but I saw Shang-Chi and holy shit, this was my favorite Marvel movie in a very long time. Nice. It was so good. I am a big fan of uh, Simu Leo, the guy from Kim's Convenience who plays Shang-Chi. Mm -hmm. He did a phenomenal job. The choreography, like the fight choreography is worth the price of admission alone. It is fucking rocks it's so good it's i think it has over a 90 percent on like rotten tomatoes mm -hmm. too, which is like pretty highly rated among marvel movies yeah i think it's very solid it's well paced there's some fun callbacks but it's not too bogged down you don't have to watch 25 marvel movies to understand what's going yeah. on which i really like and is the main villain a surprise no no he's not but I was actually just about to talk about the main villain. Actually, my favorite main villain in a while. He was a very compelling character with an interesting arc, which uh, that's a big criticism of those Marvel movies, right? Where oftentimes you'll have a single movie villain that's pretty one note and they're done with them. It's got a the dark elves. Yeah, it's just like, OK, fucking whatever. Sure. Not <laughs> not that compelling. But this guy, there was some like true emotional stakes. You can really relate to him almost. Um, was it was it Killmonger was the bad guy of Black Panther where there's a lot of nuance with mm -hmm. the uh, with the bad guy. I really appreciated it. I think overall 10 out of 10. Fantastic movie. If uh, if you all feel safe going out to a theater, mask up, you know, do your thing. But I think it's worth going. It was very good. Well, this is like the first post pandemic one that they're doing strictly in theaters, right? Correct. Yeah. Black Widow had the split release where it was the premiere access on Disney Plus and then they had some theatrical, but it wasn't that big. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm I'm not going back to work for the rest of the year. <laughs> oh, same here. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. We shall see. But let's start moving into a little bit more of what's going on with this episode here. First of all, I just want to give a quick little live show update. So if you're catching this on the podcast feed, the live show's already debuted. I hope you saw it. I hope you appreciated it. It'll probably be on our YouTube. Check out our YouTube. Yeah, check it out. I don't know about you, Griffin, but I had so much fun doing it. It was really stressful leading up to the episode, but I think as soon as we got going, we just rolled. Well, I was telling you and the rest of the group that we recorded it with, uh, as I was going through my first watch, mm -hmm. I had I had gotten through like an hour of it previously, and then I put it on while I was rendering something like Wednesday night, and just sat up. Like I <laughs> I watched it for another hour and a half. It was like twelve thirty, and I looked at the clock and was like, "Oh shit!" I got sucked in. Mm -hmm. It was really fun, uh, and everybody participated in the cosplay which was also very fun absolutely did you want to talk about uh your character yeah maybe a little bit so i am playing a wizard i think i mentioned this on the stream but somehow after playing six years plus of pathfinder i have never played a wizard 
seems just statistically unlikely, but I have not. So I really dove in feet first. I am an earth elementalist, so I'm throwing rocks at people and I'm playing a null. So that was a lot of fun. I liked uh, I liked building them. It was a pretty complicated build trying to understand what all my spells did. And Well, I, yeah, and it's like a weird spell list because the elementalist gets spells off of every tradition, but mm-hmm. only with like the earth descriptor or whatever element you pick. Yes. So got to play with some cool build the character stuff. Um, I built this character the exact same day Secrets of Magic dropped on Hero Lab. So I was learning all of the new stuff for the first time when I was building it. It was cool. There are a lot of cool new things in Secret of Magic. And this is no surprise to anybody listening right now. I'm sure you're all up to date on it. But there's some awesome stuff, cool spells, cool builds. I'd be reticent if I didn't offer Haley the same opportunity. Haley, if you just could give people the opportunity for just like two seconds, tell them what you're playing because you're playing a very cool character. Yeah, I am playing a character who is a sprite summoner um, and I have a psychopomp Adelon and I built this also after Secrets of Magic, obviously. So I was really trying to learn um, everything while it was going, but instead of focusing on uh, damage, my big focus was healing. So a little bit different, um, divine summoner. So very different than maybe what you would expect or think of, but my um, big thing was healing and uh, boy, I was actually very effective at healing. There's some, a lot of things that you can play with, with this uh, new summoner class. So it was very exciting. Yeah, if you had told me that a summoner was going to be an insanely effective healer, I would have called bullshit. Especially like, an insanely effective self-healer. Yeah. Like with the medic archetype and the like, there are skills you can take as a summoner or uh, feats rather that allow your Eidolon to like share a skill mm-hmm. feat with yeah. you. And so like if you battle medicine and your Eidolon has battle medicine, then you can do double the battle medicines. <laughs> right, essentially my Edelon and myself could both do healing in the same round, which was kind of really cool. And since I share the same hit point pool as my Edelon, it means I could either just heal my Edelon to heal myself, right? Or the other way around, or I could just heal myself. And then also in the same round, technically my Edelon could heal, I could heal, <laughs> and we could do an attack. Like all in one round, which is just cool i definitely need to read through the summoner class yeah clearly there's some really cool stuff you can do yeah definitely for Uh, kind of unexpected that you can like make better use of the medicine skill Mm -hmm. and, and medicine feats as two characters essentially yeah it's pretty interesting. It's just a lot of that chain is restricted to like oh you're immune to this for an hour you're you can only get one every 10 minutes or one a day Mm -hmm. and when you're two you get twice as much for the same hit point pool that rocks all right like i said people check it out we kind of like to call the scenario that we played a mini rain of winter yeah so yeah there's a a couple curveballs in there it is such a cool scenario it's called a frosty mug it's uh season two scenario eight and it's for fifth to ninth level characters we played it at fifth but it has a lot of the same, I guess, similar themes to Reign of Winter, and it has a lot of callbacks to Reign of Winter. So if you played Reign of Winter, you'll really like it. And if you're a little bit curious about what the world is like after Reign of Winter, 
you'll really like it. And if you've never played it, but you're interested in what happens when Russian soldiers are in Pathfinder, you'll really like it. <laughs> yeah, I am certainly the latter. It and I think I did pretty decent nice. Russian accents for it. Yeah, you got a good Russian accent. You know that. <laughs> okay, well, let's dive into the meat of this episode. When we put out the poll to the patrons here to decide what we were going to talk about this week, we had a three-way tie, Griffin. We had a tie between my favorite monster. We had a tie between It's Always Spooky and Galarian. And then a new slash mystery segment. So we're doing a little bit of a hybrid. We're basically doing like a my favorite monster, but about a Pathfinder god. This is a segment that I'm calling Griffin's God Complex. Well, it was my idea, I guess. It, it was your idea, yes. It's basically my favorite monster with... God. My idea was because of this God in particular. I didn't Mm -hmm. know this God was a real world God. Yes. So let's talk about that. Traditionally, in the My Favorite Monster segments, we kind of split this up where I do a little homework and look at the history in the real world and see what the deal with that particular monster or creature is. And then Griffin brings that Pathfinder lore and and mechanics behind it. So that's how we're going to divide this up today. And we're talking about the mother of monsters herself, Lamashtu. So who is Lamashtu? Honestly, until Griffin brought this up, I did not know that Lamashtu was an actual deity from Earth history. I didn't either. It blew my mind. Right. So her roots trace all the way back to ancient Mesopotamia. So Lamashtu appears in Sumerian and Akkadian lore as, depending on the story or tale or legend, she's either a demon, a full-blown goddess, a demigoddess, or even some sort of monster, depending on who you ask. She's the daughter of the god Anu, A-N-U, who is the supreme being of ancient Mesopotamian religions and the actual progenitor of much of their pantheon. In a way, I guess, sort of their Zeus, where a lot of the gods are just, they're this person. Or like maybe like they're Kronos. Yeah, Kronos. Right? I think that's a, that's a much better comparison there. And I always like when I'm doing some of this historical research to look at what these ancient civilizations actually use to personify their gods, kind of like how um, I know there are some Native American cultures that had deities that were actually the sun or actually the earth and that kind of stuff. So this god Anu is very specifically the part of the sky located between plus 17 and minus 17 degrees declination in the sky, which contains... 23 constellations and was said by them to compromise the entire universe. Weirdly specific, and I don't know why. It's just like that band around the equator is their god. Hmm. Wait, is is like all of their gods or is... Is Anu. Oh, Anu. Okay. I just thought Anu was interesting, so I wanted to read a little bit more about him. But let's get back to that Lamashtu. So what's she known for? Lamashtu is known for terrorizing newborns and new mothers through pregnancy, birth, and shortly thereafter. Legends speak of her kidnapping newborns while breastfeeding, gnawing their bones, and sucking their blood. She also is known for causing harm to mothers and expectant mothers, eating men and drinking their blood, disturbing sleep, bringing nightmares, killing foliage, infesting rivers and lakes, and being a bringer of disease, sickness, and death. A lot of stuff that's somewhat similar to what you're probably going to experience in Pathfinder. Just general bad stuff. A lot of bad boy behavior right there. Mm, Indeed. So if you're picturing Lamashtu in your head, the physical description that these cultures ascribe to her is somewhat similar to the Pathfinder description, which I'm sure you'll get into later. But 
she's a, a mythological hybrid. She's a, an amalgamation of all sorts of different creatures. She's often described as having a very hairy body. She's got a lioness's head, but that head has the teeth and ears of a donkey. Interesting. She's got long fingers and fingernails and the feet of a bird with sharp talons. She's often depicted holding snakes or standing or kneeling on a donkey or nursing a pig and a dog from her breasts. Interesting. Yes. The name Lamashtu comes from an Akkadian word for she who erases. That's what it basically translates to, which I think is very ominous. She was, and incidentally, she was said to have seven different names and incantations, frequently referred to her as the seven witches, even though she's just one being. So I think that's kind of like a God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit kind of situation. And the name like, of the first witch and the second witch and, and the third the witch. witch. <laughs> yep. You go all the way around there. Um, so what is her impact on history? Well, she obviously was a prevalent demon or goddess for these people. And one of the primary purposes of her existence in mythology was to explain these mysterious natural phenomena. Basically, if a healthy woman has a miscarriage, an infant dies for an explicable reason, or a mother dies during childbirth, because these cultures didn't have the modern medicine and technology that we have today that can explain a lot of that kind of stuff, they ascribe it to this malevolent deity. Her impact on history, let's talk about that a little bit more. So after Mesopotamian civilizations came and went, there was a demon in Babylonian lore called Lilithu, or Lilith, if you're speaking ancient Hebrew, inspired or related to Lamashtu. Again, similar to your Greeks and Romans, I, I believe is kind of how this plays out, where the pantheon is kind of similar. Mm. Ideas are borrowed from older civilizations. And this, this demon, Lilithu, has some similarities to Lamashtu and some differences. So, first of all, let's talk about some of the differences here. Talmudic legend places her as the actual first wife of Adam before Eve. She was banished from Eden for being what... Uh, Demonpedia.com. Demonpedia.com. Describes her as being the earliest feminist on record. Okay. By refusing to obey her husband. She got cast out of Eden and became this bad deity in, in their culture. So basically, she was blamed for the exact same sort of stuff that Lamashtu had been blamed for before. Infant death, eternal death, and all of that kind of fun stuff. But... There were a couple other interesting things that they ascribed to her as well. She was blamed for the erotic dreams of men. Mm -hmm. I know. Like, Why, thank you, Lilith. May maybe she should come visit me sometime. Uh, <laughs> and she had this, this purported army of incubi and succubi. And the incubi specifically were accused of getting nuns pregnant. So if a nun got pregnant, they'd be like, oh man, one of Lilithu's incubi visited me in the night. It's a banned incubus again. How, how could they have done this to me? I'd love to make a joke here, but I can't name a single incubus song. <laughs> All right, I'm about to wrap this up here on the IRL stuff. But interestingly enough, Lamashtu's top rival was not a good aligned deity. Oh, it ain't. It is not. 
It's an evil one. It is Pazuzu. Pazuzu. Yes. Pazuzu is a name that probably resonates with some folks who are familiar with Pathfinder because I know he's a deity in Pathfinder as well, but is probably most well known as the spirit that inhabits the girl Regan in The Exorcist. And also is a frequently mentioned gargoyle in Futurama. Oh, of course. Yes. Pazuzu's amulets were given to expectant mothers to ward off Lamashtu because of this animosity they had between the two of them. It's interesting because he's like the god of locusts and famine and was feared by other powerful deities. So when people would invoke this one evil spirit, they would ward off the rest of them. Mm, I'm going to tell you why that's the case, at least on Galarian. Good, because I was really interested in this. I couldn't find a whole ton of information that explained it in real life, although I'm sure there are legends and lore that support that. Let's move on to Pathfinder and Galarian then, because I know there's some really cool stuff about Lamashtu. Yeah, so I'll start off with just kind of the standard deity stuff. Lamashtu is known as the Demon Queen, the Mother of Monsters, Demon Mother, Mother of Beasts, Mother of Demons, Mother of Perversion, Mistress of Insanity, and Grandmother Nightmare to those in Tian Jia. Ooh. She lives in the abyss, and she is chaotic evil. Uh, her areas of concern are aberrants, madness, monsters, and nightmares, all of that kind of tracks with her real-world interpretation. And she's worshipped by gnolls, medusas, harpies, goblins, minotaurs, and some human cults, mostly those that are insane, as well as bugbears. They're like monstrous races, really. Sure. Which makes sense because her edicts are to bring power to outcasts and the downtrodden, indoctrinate children in her teachings, and make the beautiful monstrous reveal the corruption and flaws in all things. An anathema to that is to attempt to treat a mental illness or deformity or provide succor to her enemies. Her actual 1E domains are chaos, evil, madness, strength, and trickery. Although in 2E, that changes a little bit to family, might, nightmares, trickery, and change. And it's very interesting because of that change, she actually has technically two favored weapons. Okay. Because she wields these two blades, one of frost and one of fire. And normally they appear as falchions, but they shift to become kukris as well. So her favored weapon is a falchion or a kukri. Mm Mm-hmm. And her symbol is a three-eyed jackal. And that's kind of how her appearance is in Pathfinder lore, although it depends on who is venerating her as to what they interpret her as looking like. But she's normally shown as a woman with the head of a jackal with like a third eye that opens the opposite way. Mm -hmm. And uh, she wields these two like flame and frost blades, which I think if you remember... At PaizoCon 2019, we fought an avatar of Lamashtu that had a fire sword and an ice sword. You know, I completely forgot about that until you described the swords and that took me back. And I was like, wow, yeah, Yeah. that's that's right. We did. (laughs) So the history of Lamashtu is pretty interesting in Pathfinder lore. In the Age of Creation, she was a demon lord. Mm -hmm. And she was the lover of Pazuzu. Mm. She wanted that snake penis that he is described as having. Listen, she's a mother of monsters. Episode what 69. else do you think's coming out of that snake penis? Oh, God. <laughs> and she actually gained her godhood from a demigod to a god by mm-hmm. killing 
Churchanus, who is the god of like animals and the land, she had this jealousy for the god because she wanted to be the mother of monsters. Mm -hmm. But all of the animals of Galarian and all the magical beasts were tied to Churchanus as their deity. So she killed him to steal his domain. And then the animals shunned her Mm -hmm. and got twisted by her and became monsters. That's wild. I wonder if the Pathfinder authors that basically were creating Lamashtu in their setting had her transition from being a demon to a goddess because in real life, depending on who you ask, she was either a demon or a goddess. So they're like, we're just going to cover all our bases and write a story to make it happen. I like that. Yeah, so what's, what's interesting here is that when she stole the deific essence from Trichanus, this enraged Pazuzu at like the shift of power and immediately started like a clash between the two. And much like she defeated Churchanus by sending like a horde of demons at him to weaken him before she could strike the final blow, Pazuzu almost killed Lamashtu. And the only reason she survived is because of her new DF essence. Mm-hmm. And they've been at each other's throats ever since. So worshippers of one, it's a fight on site with worshippers of another. Then this is very interesting. She found out that the horsemen of the apocalypse created demons. Okay. And knew how to manipulate demons. And she killed two of the horsemen I did in order to learn possible. this power. So she invaded Abaddon and killed Drulima and Rashmalm, who mm-hmm. were former horsemen, and learned the art of creating demons and has been using that, like, birthing demons ever since. So now in the lore that she is a deity, Desna absolutely despises her. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this is that Desna was Churchanus's disciple. Sure. She was, like, his, his student. And when she killed Churchanus, this enraged Desna. So now you have Desna, probably one of the most powerful gods in the setting that wants to fight Lamashtu. Lamashtu makes an enemy with almost everyone else because she was a former demon lord and that's what they do. Mm -hmm. They just hate everybody. And Pazuzu is always after her. And Pazuzu is kind of like the Lamashtu of the present in the sense that like, his worshippers know that like, hey, it's possible for a demon lord to kill a god. Sure. Lamashtu did it. So in the setting, worshippers of Pazuzu uh, and and people in general wear Pazuzu's holy symbol to ward off birth defects and that kind of thing because his symbol is just his symbol alone is known to like banish Lamashtu's essence that and rocks. influence. That rocks how well that mirrors real life. Yeah. So she... Geez, she's, I mean, if you dig into, like, how she's worshipped and stuff, it's basically, like, warping that, which is beautiful, into the monstrous. I mean, you see it as early as the first adventure path Mm -hmm. uh, that Paizo put out. She's just this horrible presence that taints the beautiful. She's actually has this, like, weird interest in Shaylin, the goddess of beauty, because she wants to, like, warp Shaylin into a monster. Mm. So 
She's a very focused goddess on furthering her cults and not very focused on her relationships with others, yeah. which allows worshippers of like Pazuzu to kind of grow in power against her. So it's interesting. I'm curious to see like what the future of the setting holds for Lamashtu in particular, because it seems that of many deities, like she is enemies with Urgothoa and Rovagug. Yeah, that's weird. She hates Urgothoa because of undeath. Mm-hmm. Because she is the mother of monsters, oh, and living things that power. Yeah, away from her. Yeah. So not only is she the enemy of almost every good god, but all of these evil gods hate her too. Mm-hmm. So she's in a weird spot. She shifted from being like in first edition, you could worship her as a chaotic neutral cleric. Uh, this is one of the ones in 2E that's like capped to a single alignment. Really? So you have to be chaotic evil to worship Lamash too. Wow. There's a bit more about her, but I think, you know, she's got the, she's got unholy texts uh, that are just the skull of Mashag is like a skull <laughs> that is yeah. like written in uh, the four hides of Lom are leather straps that have her tenets on them all around just like a wild god. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we have Lamashan, like a whole month is dedicated to her in the Galarian calendar. She doesn't have any real holidays or anything, and she doesn't, her favorite animal is like a jackal, but she seems to love all monstrous creatures mm-hmm. the same. That's so weird to me that they would name a month after her, just in the regular calendar. That would just be if, like, after October, we had, like, Satan-tober. Satan-tober. Like, all right. I mean, you have Cthona, too, right? You have a you have a couple of evil deities you on that calendar. You definitely do, which I don't really understand. I think it's just the most powerful deities in the setting, maybe. I guess. Like, you have Farast, you have mm-hmm. Gazrin, you have... Uh, I think February is, like, the Calistria one. I think there's an Aridin one too. I could be wrong about that though. Uh, I don't know about that one. I could be wrong. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of a smattering of good, evil, and neutral deities that make mm-hmm. up the calendar. So that's Lamash too. She's a creep. She definitely is very. But it, the parallels are pretty interesting. That you know, between the real world and what they actually took from that, it, I think weaving that in with like her being Pazuzu's lover mm-hmm. is kind of interesting in terms of actually having a reason for that because it didn't really seem like there was much of a reason other than like Pazuzu is presumably because he's the god of like locusts and stuff maybe the god of like normal procreation yeah in a sense like famine is caused by an overabundance of people Mm -hmm. as well as by disease Haley what's up just regarding the months and holidays they're named not because they're most powerful but because the month has something in it that represents that god. So Zan Kuthan's month of, which is essentially our December, so Kuthana, that's to represent the death of a year, and he represents the death of all things essentially. So that's kind of how they um, work through that. And so yeah, it's kind of weird because like there are ten gods that represent the death of all things. So why Zan Kuthan? Um, I guess that's a good like. Why question. is it December Urgathan? Well. Probably yeah. people, you know, gets dark out. People get into bondage for a month. Yeah, it's like, you know, <laughs> inside we don't have a ton to but, do. You got your chains and whiffs. That'll excite me. 
For Lamashtu's month, there's a holiday called Allbirth during that month. And so Ugh. it kind of, I mean, she was kind of a, all birth is a thing for her. So it kind of makes sense maybe if uh, they have those holidays that are, are kind of all linking together and then they have the names of the gods. That yeah, it specifically them. says in here, they like, at least worshippers of Lamashtu don't celebrate all birth. Correct. But the god represents all birth. And so that's where that like, mm. it feels like kind of weird because they essentially, it seems like there were things that were already in existence in the calendar and they were like, let's put some names to that. Yeah, that's weird because <laughs> like you have Ascension Day and stuff for Caden Callian, but there's not a hot there. I mean, I know he's a newer god, but there's not like a month named after him. Mm-hmm. Craziness. Calendar is weird, man. Calendar is weird indeed. <laughs> Wait, do you have the calendar then, Haley? You have the calendar up? Yes, I do. Can you read through the months? Yes. Uh, so the January equivalent is Abadeus. Abadeus. Um, Abadeus. Abadeus. Here we go. Here we go. Abadeus. And then you have Calistral, Verast, mm-hmm. Gazarin, Desnis, Serenthith. Oh, man, that's hard <laughs> to say. Erastus, Eridus, Rova, Lamashan. Lamashan, yeah. Lamashan, Neth, and then Kona. So that is okay. the them in order. And they do mention Arastle specifically... made it in there. Classic. Mm. They say specifically uh, Gazarin is it's the equivalent of April. And mm. that's because season. of budding new life. Oh, okay. Budding mm. new life. Gazarin <laughs> showers bring... Seren Ray and Flower Desmond Flowers, I think Desmond is the name. Flowers. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, uh, Nailed it. The Calistria month is uh, February, yeah. the, the month of love. Yeah, what's up? I mean, makes sense. Uh, the month of <laughs> uh, the fourteenth of Calistria. Hell yeah! All right. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about about Lamashtu before we move on here? Uh, I think we covered her, man. Cool. Well, I think we're doing good on time, which means that I think I want to uh, have a little fun on this live stream. What do you think? Or if you want to have some fun, All right, this is the historic 69 Do you want to turn over or should I for episode 69? Um, I would, you're, you're pretty solid. You should be on bottom. Okay. Don't want to get crushed here. Okay. So here's what we're doing. As many of the people who are listening probably know already, We are headed straight into the next little interlude in our campaign. (laughs) Fuck yeah. And it is pirate themed. So what I wanted to do was to play a little game today where I'm going to test Griffin's knowledge of pirate stuff. Oh no. (laughs) It is treasure chest party pirate trivia quest. Treasure Chest Pirate Party Trivia Quest. Exactly. So, welcome to Treasure Chest Party Pirate Trivia Quest. That name sucks. Why did I do that? I mean, the name of the song sucks anyway. (laughs) In this game show, I will ask Griffin 10 questions about pirates to determine how well he knows his pirate lore. If Griffin answers seven or more questions correctly, I will surrender the booty and award him a prize. Let's begin. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So are these multiple choice or I just said pull this out of thin air? Well, it depends. Some of them are free answer and they are different degrees of difficulty. Sure. So some of them are free answer. Some of them are true or false. And then there are a couple multiple choice in there. So if you get one to four questions, correct, you're going to be a little schooner. If you get five to six questions, correct, you're going to be an average size dinghy. 
If you get seven correct, you're going to be the fish fillet. If you get eight correct, you are Pathfinder 1E Archetype Aquatic Druid Copyright 2010. <laughs> if you get nine, nine correct, you're a High Admiral. And then if you get all 10 correct, you are Long John Silver himself. Those are very arbitrary rankings. You just need to get seven or above for me to surrender the booty. Okay. All right. So question one. What is the traditional English name for the flags flown to identify a pirate ship about to attack? Free answer. That's the Jolly Roger. Isn't you it? got it. That was an easy one. I would <laughs> hope it was, it was like uh, traditional <laughs> English. Yep. Uh -oh. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to throw you off with a couple of these, so we'll see. Here's, here's one I think is pretty much an ace in the hole for you. Though a term that covers a variety of swill-like alcoholic drinks, traditionally... What liquor is diluted by water to make grog? Rum. You got it. That's two on the board. You're still a little schooner, but that's his forward progress. All right. Now we're about to ratchet it up. True or false? The legendary pirate haven of Tortuga is a real island off the coast of uh, Haiti. True. True. That is correct. Tortuga. That's a great uh, Alestorm song as well. Hell yeah. All right. Question four. English pirate Edward Teach was one of the most notorious pirates of all time. He was known for blockading the port of Charleston in May of 1718 and running his famous vessel, the Queen Anne's Revenge, aground, purportedly to kill off some of his crew, increasing his share of the treasure they had amassed. By what pirate name is Edward Teach commonly known? Fuck. Um... I think he's one of the beards. <laughs> that's not a, that's not an acceptable answer. You have to give me a firm answer. I have to give you a color of beard. Yes, you have to give me a color of beard. Uh, if that's what you want to go with. Uh, yeah. Uh, fuck. I remember the name Edward Teach. Mm hmm. But I I don't remember his pirate name. Uh, shit. I gotta go with Blackbeard. You are correct. It was Blackbeard. Congratulations. All right. Question five. Which popular British metalcore band's name is a near-direct quote from the final line of 2003's major motion picture, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl? This one, I know is a little difficult, so I'm going to give you multiple choice. Mm -hmm. Is it A, the dead lay waiting, B, no sin evades his gaze, C, bring me the horizon, or D, bury tomorrow? I mean, I know bring me the horizon's a band. <laughs> it's the only one that I know is a band. So I'm good with that. That is correct. <laughs> Captain Jack Sparrow at the very end of 2003's major motion picture, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, says something along the lines of, bring me the horizon, as he looks at his compass and off to the horizon. I also didn't know any of the other three bands. I looked them up at Wikipedia British metalcore bands. Oh, They're apparently real. Okay, I, I meant to bring this up in the Lamashtu segment. Mm -hmm. There is a Swedish symphonic metal band called Lamashtu. Well, we got to get him on the show. They're, I mean, they, <laughs> they have like all of their, I looked at their discography on uh -huh. Spotify, like all of their songs are played like less than a thousand times, but I listened yeah. to their most popular. They're not bad. Okay. I mean, I don't understand Swedish, so I don't know what they're saying, but like, I think they have a, they, their main singer is female and mm -hmm. uh, she rocks hell yeah we should listen to them after this that sounds awesome back to the game all right so you are uh, five for five right now which brings you out of the little schooner category into average size oh, thank god i was just worried i'd be a little schooner <laughs> you don't no one wants to be a little schooner all right question six 
Pirates used cannons to attack other vessels for plunder. What is the purpose of the ammunition known as chain shot? Oh, um... I know when they fire chain shot, it, like, it's meant to... I don't know if it's meant to, like, tear up the sails. Um, shit. Is it, like, how specific are you? <laughs> uh, not very specific. Not very specific. I, I, I know it's meant to, like, fly apart when it, when it flies at the other ship. So I think it's, like, to damage the, um... Like, damage the master sails. I will accept that answer. The answer that I have written was destroy mast of sailing ships or rigging. Which, okay. Yeah. The, it's the, they're two half-size cannonballs with a mm-hmm. chain attaching the two, and they kind of, like, almost have a weird boomerang kind of mm-hmm. shot where they spin and wrap up the, stuff. The thing, like, about, like the thing about them is is that you, uh, like, when you fire them, mm-hmm. they do the thing that uh, the... The physics thing. I'm not a I'm not a physicist, but the yep. thing like the those balls do when you knock them together and like the other one, uh, the other one flies and that's what separates them. Yeah. Like, it's very cool. All right, you are six for six. Still an average size dinghy, but you're very close to fish fillet. Steve, I hope you're ready. I I got four questions to get the booty. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, <laughs> question seven: True or false? I think I think this one might give you the booty. True or false? Pirates on sailing ships traditionally use the poop deck for pooping. <laughs> True or false, Griffin? I want to say false. <laughs> that is the correct answer. The but, but like, part of me is thinking like, what's like the main deck? And like, I feel like you could just let one fly over the side <laughs> <laughs> on the poop deck. Yes, I think you can poop off of any part of the ship. Well, yeah, but I think there are sailors that would have pooped off the poop deck. Well. Google Answers tells me otherwise. Okay. It tells me it's a raised deck that's used by command to observe the crew and for navigation, and that defecation was oftentimes taking place on other decks. On other decks. Yep. Okay, so you it are... It was a misdirect. It was like a Greenland, Iceland <laughs> poop deck. <laughs> to try and get people to not poop up there. <laughs> Why are so many people pooping on the Fiesta deck? <laughs> All right. Question eight. The Maersk, Alabama, an A-class container ship with 1,092 TEU capacity, became the center of an international incident off the coast of Somalia in 2009. Which major motion picture starring Tom Hanks was nominated for six Academy Awards detailing this incident? Fuck, it's the one that's... I am the captain now. Maybe it is. It is that one. I know, I know it's that one. Oh, damn. I don't, I don't know the title of this movie. Uh... I really don't know the title of this movie. Mm. You can guess. Does that have Captain in the name? <laughs> I cannot tell you that. I'm not giving you any hints. You already have secured the booty. Oh, but I want to be Long John Silver. Mm-hmm. Th- this one's tough. I thought I'd, I, I might throw you off a little bit with the modern pirates here. Yeah, you're really screwing me with this one. I feel like it has Captain in the name, but I... Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. If the rules of the game allowed me to give you a half point, I would. It is Captain Phillips. Ah, oh, damn it. Mm-hmm. 
So you do not have eight points. You are seven for eight. We're going to question nine. True or false? Captain Kidd was barely older than an adolescent when he was declared a pirate in 1698. I want to say that's false because it was like that it wasn't spelled like kid, like child. So I'm going to say false. That is correct. I, I thought I might get you there. He wasn't given the moniker of kid. His last name actually was kid K I D D mm-hmm. in 1698. He was 43 years old. All right. And finally, I don't think you're going to get this one. This one is a, this is another captain Phillips situation. Yeah. Yeah, a very difficult question. The name of the Somalian pirate. (laughs) All right, here you go. Scottish heavy metal dubbed pirate metal band Aelstorm has seen great success in their niche genre, playing music about sailing the high seas, keel hauling unruly sailors, and assaulting their foes with an anchor. But which hit single of theirs begins with the warning that piracy is a crime and crime doesn't pay, so we go home poor at the end of the day? (laughs) Ugh. Actually, this is, I don't know why this is hard for me. You should, you I should. should. Yeah, I thought this was a gimmick. Um, I'm bad with a uh, song name. I like know all the lyrics. <laughs> drink. It is there drink. Congratulations. You are nine for 10 in your pirate knowledge, making you a high admiral. All well right. done. High Kevin. admiral, but not quite a, not quite a long John. You are not long John Silver. However, this does mean I have to surrender the booty, which means that you get to decide which one of us, me or you, takes this shot of Guatemalan rum that I still have from Emily's trip last year. Oh no. <laughs> that's you, bud. All right, that's kind of what I figured. <laughs> I'm drinking hard liquor already. <sighs> Piracy truly is a crime, and crime does not pay people. Camera's on you. Oh, come on. Look into the stare down the barrel. Yeah, I will lock eyes with the camera while I take this shot of Chaparita. Now, it would have been a different story if it was the hibiscus rum. Now, that stuff, yes, absolutely. Um, I remember this stuff distinctly sucking. mm, Yeah, why do you think I have it uh, 16 months later? Oh, God, okay. (laughs) Well done. Okay. Well, there you have it, people. That was treasure chest party pirate trivia quest let's get into the questions yeah Haley, do we have any from the chat we do have a few we've got a lot of pirate ones guys of course we do. <laughs> oh, that's fine <laughs> so from bimpy what positions would the group take on a pirate ship oh okay hold on are you talking the player characters or the people playing the characters Maybe the people first. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he said mm. the players. Okay, cool. That's a really good question. Yeah. I, I I think just kind of by default, you got Griff in the captain seat, right? I think we got captain first mate pretty much locked down. Fuck yeah, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think Haley would be the um, the quartermaster. I actually was thinking the same thing, yeah. yeah. Um, you, you definitely want Brooks on the cannons. See, no. I, was, I was thinking either that or like when I played uh, Skulls and Shackles, like the dude that punishes all the new recruits, I think would be perfect. Mm, I like that. He'd be Mr. Scourge. Okay, I do like that. I don't know what that 
position is called. I, Emily would be the cook, right? Just because of the food science. Um, I feel like I feel like it doesn't. I feel I like it would be less really, like someone that is no. a good cook and more like somebody that can actually like ensure the safety of the stuff that I we think have. Emily is one hundred percent the the person in charge of the cannons because she will not mess it up. Yeah, but you're the chemical engineer. Yeah, mm. I guess so is Brooks. But does that mean anything? I'd argue no. I, yeah, I guess not. And, and also, nothing. like, I was already given a position. I could mm-hmm. also be in front of... Actually, I would love to be in charge of the cannons because I did want to go into explosives. <laughs> but anyways. Yeah, you said that a little too excitedly. Um, so I'm remo- revoking your privilege. <laughs> yeah. As captain, I'm vetoing. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, th- I yeah. think... Uh, I think you could you could make it. I don't have to think about like what all the positions actually are, mm-hmm. but like the the gunnery sergeant or whatever that would be, I think could easily be a like a, a Brooks position. If yeah, I but, still think I still think Emily, if not the person actually cooking the food, would be the person like making sure the food hasn't gone off. Yeah, and that right. people in are like eating supplies. the right stuff so that we're not getting scurvy. Yeah, I think that's important. And then, uh, you know, we all know that Chris and Tim would be swapping that deck. Swapping that deck. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Chris would be the guy in the in the lookout perch, and mm. he'd just be shouting down conspiracy theories from up there. Sure. And then but, like, Tim he would also be... wears glasses, which has me worried for someone in the lookout. Yeah, but then, then Tim would be the mermaid on the front. Could be. I'm, I'm here for that. Swing. The coxswain. Oh, that's Tim. The coxswain. Yep, it's coxswain. That's how that. No, I like how uh, Bippy wrote this. <laughs> I know that's how it's spelled, but it's no, it's 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 it? C O X S W A N, and Bippy wrote it specifically C O C K. Oh, coxswain. Yeah, that's that is one hundred percent. That is one hundred percent Tim. Yeah, Tim is the coxswain mm-hmm. with that twelve-inch hog. All right, what's the next question? All right, moving on. Um, we've got. From Cernu, if you got to make up a new god about a specific aspect of the world, such as a narrow band of the night sky, what would it be? Ooh, I love this question. That's good. Um, I don't think we have enough deities related to the stuff that's coming out shortly, which is mm-hmm. the guns and gears stuff. I think there's one god that has a musket as their favorite god or as their favorite weapon, and you have like trying that eventually becomes something but yeah. like Cassandra Lee is like I think it, de- it becomes a deity in first edition so you want some sort of like Enaratus uh no not necessarily that but I would love I would love like a a god that is more focused on like tinkering that has like a pistol as their favorite weapon oh that's and cool. I almost think like um I think that would fit and there there very well may be like a more obscure god that is like the god of tinkering or whatever mm-hmm. but I think a dwarven god would fit that really well or something like kind of unique to Alkenstar like something that like evolved out of the yeah. mana waste that is like the god of invention yeah you could uh, have like alchemists and inventors that are yeah. really you have like the god deity. of creation mm-hmm. and then like the god of invent like i, I feel like, like the innovation the god yeah. yeah the god of innovation that like that's favored weapon is something like more modern i think that would be cool i would think maybe like a bad boy gazra where like instead of um you know storms and bringing health to crops and forests and stuff you're this natural 
maybe for maybe a a god for like bad druids that is like the god of like erosion and forest fires that Ooh, burn for too long like, and like the god of like take, of nature taking things yeah. back and yeah and like global warming and shit like stuff that is not good but true like natural disasters and things i think would be cool for like an evil druidic deity i am the god of the ozone <laughs> i'm gonna get real thin <laughs> i bulked and now i'm cutting maybe it's cutting season yeah it uh, hits a little close to home but i think that would be a really cool deity that would be fun to play a druid of i feel like Playing a druid of that deity maybe would give you like attack spells an extra bonus or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe a, just like a plus one caster level or something in first edition of like your damage dealing yeah. elemental spells would be really cool. I think it would be anathema as well if you were to, for example, put out a naturally start fire and not encourage it, right? Like yeah. those would be anathema to your <laughs> like your druidic order. I love that. This god should exist. Um, next question, please. Yeah, Sornut's got another really good one here, which is um, some on Galarian claim there's a fifth horseman of the apocalypse. What's mm-hmm. their story, and what are they the horsemen of? I've got a very quick answer. So I kind of enjoyed the show. Was it called? Uh, oh, hell, what was it? It was David Tennant and somebody else. On oh, uh, Good Omens. Yeah, good omens. And one of the horsemen, I can't remember which one either died or changed or something. And there was a horseman of pollution, mm-hmm. which I yeah. thought was a, a very natural it was fit the for them. Famine died. Yeah. And was replaced by pollution, I think. Uh, no, I no, no. It was uh, it was like it wasn't famine because famine definitely was still there. Was it disease? It might have been disease. Yeah, it might have been disease. Because, I, I, which mirrors like, you know, us eradicating certain disease. And mm-hmm. So I think... Um, I don't maybe it's not a creative answer on my part, but I think that just fits so naturally into the horsemen of the apocalypse that um, again, kind of like my natural disaster climate change deity is pretty relatable. And there you go. Yeah. I think so it's cool. the fifth horseman is rumored to have been killed by the other four. Mm-hmm. There's also, as I just discussed with Lamash to like parallels to like Lamash to killing horsemen to learn of their powers I think the fifth horseman was creation. Okay. And the other four aim to undo what they've done. Interesting. Is that creation in a positive or negative connotation? Depends how you interpret it. Yeah. Because you could definitely spin creation as something like overpopulation Mm -hmm. or invasive species. being Like a natural Mm -hmm. uh, regular ecosystem. Right. I think that that would be very cool to have yet yeah, a creation spin, but it can be good if you look at it one way or, or evil if you look at it another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pestilence. Went, pestilence. There yeah, you go. That went to uh, instead pollution. Cool. All right, what do we got, Haley? We have Eric asked, "How would you integrate a Lamash to side quest into the current campaign?" All right, which campaign? This is a for carrying crowd. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that's figured. Uh, truth is not really about structure. I think I think it's pretty easy to just like we said that Urgothoa is an enemy of Lamashtu for reasons of undeath. Mm-hmm. It would be pretty easy to bring in like a side evil group that is kind of similarly to like the Dominion of the Black, like an evil yeah. group that is 
not aligned with the Whispering Way, that might even be fighting the Whispering Way, but then you have to <laughs> you have to decide whether to ally with that group or not, because they're also inherently like really terrible. That was basically my answer too. We basically just saw this play out in book four, mm-hmm. where there was a, another sect that, although maybe they had some dealing with the Whispering Way, things fell apart. And I think that's a, a very natural way to integrate them into the story that they maybe needed something from each other and it fell apart or what have you, but your party gets kind of derailed and has to deal with this other situation that is very bad. Might not further the books one to six plot of the adventure path, but it's something that definitely needs to get addressed before we conclude the story. Yeah, if uh, Freya had been one step further, Lamashtu was my number one choice for her um, corrupted state, like follower of the, I forget what her new archetype was when she lost Erastal, but uh, Haster, I believe, is neutral evil, Mm -hmm. which allowed a cleric that was neutral and Lamashtu is chaotic evil, but I, th- I thought I thought Lamashtu would be the perfect, almost anathema to what Freya is. So I wanted Lamashtu to like feature. Oh in- boy! And there's some stuff in Freya's backstory that people have heard in flashbacks mm-hmm. that you could definitely very easily tie together with that. Mm-hmm. That's a interesting. I, I never thought about that, but sure. Bibi has a bit of a follow up to the horseman question, mm-hmm. uh, or a little bit tangential. Technically, he wrote it first. But what monsters, demigods, or some mythical figures would you want to see ascend into Horsemen of Apocalypse status? Which is a little bit different. I like that. Mm. So we were just talking about like Cassandra Lee, and I could see a place where instead of merging to form Triune with like Berg, there's a more evil slant to that machine. Oh, and sure. like a mechanized horseman that is like procedural and and is focused on eradicating life and consuming souls like the horsemen are. It'd be very interesting to have like an actual AI in that role. Are you uh, proposing a some sort of uh, mechanical being riding a mechanical horse? Because I am here for that. Yes. <laughs> that is great. Shit, I can't top that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, like an abolith or something. Fuck it. All right. What would, what would it ride? What would it ride? Bigger abolith. A whale. <laughs> <laughs> abolith on a whale. Yeah, that's that's my answer. The blue Ab- whale of the apocalypse. Uh, abolith on a whale. That's That's my answer. He rode in on a blue whale. <laughs> his face meant death. Oh my. All right. Well, did this Swamp Witch uh, playlist, by the way? Love it. Pretty good. It's really good. I like the occasional uh, witch laughter that yeah. shows up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, it's got me honking a little bit. A little bit, yeah. I got, I got. Man, Cernu's killing it this time. Uh, he said, congrats. You've become the father of monsters. What's your first creation? Hmm. I like these ones. The father of monsters first creation. Yeah. It has to be profound if it's going to be the first creation. Mm-hmm. Right? Some sort of uh, anthropomorphic animal person. They already had guessed that for you, Steve. Mm. Specifically the, the, a snake woman. The father of bee stars? 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, my answer is Lagoshi. Lagoshi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> oh, man. That's tough. I think a monster that I would really like to see mm-hmm. in Pathfinder, and so I would create it if I was the father of monsters, is something similar to in the Avatar, like the uh, the lion turtles. Sure. Like those turtles that carry entire continents. Ooh. And I think that would just be, I mean, that's a creature that you could develop so much lore about because it's ancient and it's alive and it's like what's going on on top of it is also alive. And I think you give that like a bunch of unique powers, almost almost making it like a demigod itself. That's a really good answer. I'm going to take a, a slightly different slant with mine. If we're creating like a new race of, of monstrous nastiness, um, I want to make a centaur, but instead of the body of a horse, it is the body of a centipede. Oh, centisar. Centisar, yeah. Which I think would be really disgusting and uh, would make a good monster. You know what? We actually don't have a ton of bug people in Galarian proper. We get a lot in Starfinder, but I don't know. Like the f- uh, maybe Formians are in Pathfinder at Ooh. some point, but they're just like monstrous. I think you have the Trox, which are kind of bug-like. Yep, you've got your Anadi in the Moangi Expanse, but that's the only example that I can think of right away. I would really love a race of horseshoe crab people. I think, or okay. or just crab people what? in general, but like horseshoe crab. Like I, I just like I love the idea of like it harkens back to me watching the original Pokemon series mm-hmm. when Bill gets fused with like oh, into a Kabuto, like into the Kabuto suit, and he looks like basically like a horseshoe crab man. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be. We don't have turtles yet either. <laughs> Maybe I could go turtle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bug people would be an interesting add to the uh, the setting. Well, there's so much you can do with bugs, I think, and and there's so many degrees of how bug or how person mm-hmm. is it. Absolutely. Like if it's got a bug head, it's terrifying. <laughs> But if it's just like got bug wings, eh, maybe not as much. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, your sprites have like butterfly wings. Disgusting. Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> Abominations. Came out of Lamashtu's womb themselves. All right, uh, next question, please. I don't have any. Oh, um, no. <laughs> Where so, are all those pirate questions people were supposed to send us? So a lot of them, like, what's your pirate name? What's the pirate name of the other player characters? Mm. Is Return to Moon Isle just an excuse to get into Skulls and Shackles? Um... Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so there's like a lot of. I've been jonesing for fucking pirate stuff for a long time. I pulled it in. Sue me. Now, there is a request for maybe not this episode, but in the future. Steve, can you do bang slash battle ratings for the gods? Um, oh, banger battle? For the. Wait. Click I don't think you can battle the gods. That down. Right? Bang slash battle the. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I mean, Banger Battle was a fun segment. We should get the boys back on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely need to be hopped up and caffeine no. fucked up out of my mind on another on. episode. <laughs> no, we should get them. It's always fun to have them back on. And I would like to talk about Bang Slash Battle the Gods. Guess what I'm going to do um, with those guys again. That'd be fun. Yeah. We, I mean, we have the book. We could just roll to a random page of Gods of Magic. All right. Uh, Dice Crisis. DM us. DM us, baby. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, there's not a ton of other questions, really. So I don't know, Steve, you've got any in the backlog there? Yeah, we do have a couple that we can clean out of the backlog here. So this one comes from Jason, good friend of the show. In a future season of Link Legacy, would you do a season or even just a PFS scenario that features third-party content so that would could uncover uh, could encompass like a, a race or class materials or that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to expand this question something beyond like a linked legacy scenario just to have more of a larger discussion about third party content in our games in general. Um, I don't want to put words in Griffin's mouth, but I I don't know that we really play around with it all too much. We honestly haven't, mm-hmm. and you know, furthering our relationship with Paizo and just thinking about how much content there is. For Paizo, it's probably not something in like the main games that I would be overly excited about in terms of like, I don't really want to get into the like spheres of might and spheres of power stuff. Like, I know that's very popular, but it just it forces everybody to go down that path. Sure. And there are some things that don't. And I understand that. And, you know, if somebody made a compelling case to play a class that's like by a pretty well regarded third party publisher. I'd say, you know, let me check it out and probably okay. But I just think for our audience, most of our audience is here because we're playing Paizo mm-hmm. stuff and wants to hear how that is played. I mean, we already skirt the boundaries of like weird archetypes and that kind of thing. Yeah. However, I, I will expand this further. As far as adventures, I would absolutely play a third party adventure on something like a linked legacy. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, in, in fact, something that comes to mind immediately that would suit our group perfectly is when we finally have more of the Grimmer space information. Yes. Uh, I- because I am, I'm like all in on their Kickstarter. Like I, mm-hmm. I spent the like $250 for everything they have. Mm-hmm. Like, give me the hard copies, give me the PDFs. I want stuff early, like whatever. With the intention that, like, that is the dark, gritty Starfinder that I think we would enjoy. Um, and stuff like that is definitely, especially in an area like Starfinder, which I know Paizo is, like, now expanding modules in, but, like, there's Junker's Delight right now, and that's mm-hmm. about it. Getting some module-sized adventures from third-party publishers is definitely something I'd be interested in if we, you know, wanted to step into Starfinder for Link Legacy. Yeah, the specific, I'm, and I'm very glad you brought up the Glimmer Space thing, or is it Glimmer or Grimmer? Grimmer, Grimmer Space thing, is because this is long, long, long before we ever even thought about Bestow Curse. We were tossing around ideas of what we wanted to do for a second show, and one of the things that you brought up was, hey, if we play Starfinder, there's this really cool thing coming out, Grimmer Space, that would fit in our little uh, catalog of shows really well, and we got kind of excited about it, and obviously... We did not go down that route, but um, I did want to hear you talk about it for a second because it is a really cool concept and sci-fi horror is a very unique genre that I really like. And the thing about Link Legacy is I I don't really want, I mean, I know a lot of our listeners listen to like Glass Cannon. Mm -hmm. I don't really want Link Legacy to expand into like a new game who this that they do, which is like a bunch of different systems. You know, with the Paizo license, keep that to paizo products or at least paizo systems and the only part i worry about like taking that to third party is then like hey do we have to you know 
do we have to get a license from the Grimmer Space folks to play their adventure and that kind of thing? Which is probably a yes, but yeah. there's a bridge that we could cross. Because that is behind the paywall, so we are profiting off of their stuff without kicking anything to them. So there's some legal stuff that we have to make sure that we get around first if that's something we wanted to do. But frankly, also, just like at a personal note, uh, guys, we're really busy. Like, no, nobody else here has time to learn a new system. Yeah. I mean, in the future, I'm not saying that it's like that's off the table. Of course. Like, again, there's there's systems that I'm definitely like, I really want to play this or I really want to like, I really want you to run me through a Star Wars mm-hmm. game. That's why I bought you all the books. But again, it's like that's not something that is necessarily feasible in the near future. Do you, you don't think that uh, Disney will license us? I don't necessarily think that Disney has to license us. No, I, I don't understand. I don't for that because uh, Disney licensed Fantasy Flight. So I think just Fantasy Flight has to be OK with it. Mm hmm. I don't know. We could talk business at a later date. <laughs> That's what people come to the historic 69th episode of the Zone of Truth for. Well, uh, they, they come to legal down discussions. To business. They come because they want us to surrender the booty. I guess my overall answer to this is I know my players like using Hero Lab. If there's third party shit in Hero Lab, it's definitely by a reputable publisher. I know that already. Mm-hmm. And so I'm generally okay with it. But I do ask for like a hey, by the way, like, can I do this? Okay, let me read over it. Yeah. And I think <laughs> I've done enough homebrewing with some of your abilities that I feel like we're kind of like Matumbe is kind of a third party character at this uh, point with nice, some of the, books. With some of the feats that he has been granted to uh-huh. allow him to be so good at skills, but so like if there was like a really cool third party thing somebody wanted to play, I'd probably okay it. I just don't think in general that's what people come to our show for. But mm-hmm. I mean, if we got enough people to say like, hey, it'd be really cool if you played third party stuff, then I'd, I'd be for it. Yeah, I'm of the same opinion. I never want to close the door on anything. But for what we're doing right now, what we're doing works. I mean, honestly, like really cool third party spell. That's not going to break it. Like no. as long as the spells balanced, like nobody's really going to care if you take a cool third party spell. I'm into it. Well, there you go. Or like racial spells on characters not of that race like yeah take it i don't care <laughs> all right cool uh Haley, did we get anything from the chat i've got another cool question that we could go out on or i'd like to hear the cool question you can go out on all right well this one comes from smiggle librarian versus brain mayor what do their campaign slogans look like for the upcoming race all right do i need to pan the camera on you while you give your campaign slogan uh, sure. All right. Steve first or Griffin first? Uh, definitely Steve first. I didn't know if we would get to this question. Yeah, I have one for both. All right. All right. So my one for Matumbe is open a new chapter in Ilmash. Reasonable government from a fresh mind. Because uh, he was insane and didn't remember anything. And opening a new chapter is a book. The librarian. Yeah. Uh, I had a little bit more trouble coming up with something for the mayor since I've never played the mayor. So what I did was I went to Google and looked up isolationist <laughs> campaign slogans. And the first one I came up with Donald Trump's 2016 election. <laughs> that was America first. So the mayor's slogan is ill marsh first because he doesn't want anything to do with outsiders. I think the mayor's slogan is the mind is a terrible thing to waste. There you go. There you go. Because he was just a brain. <laughs> That's good. I think Matumbe as the librarians 
slogan would be something along the lines of throwing the book at the competition. Ooh, there you go. Or like, oh, let's, okay. or like, let's close the book on this chapter of Ilmarsh. Let's close the book on worshiping Dagon. Let's, <laughs> let's close the book on sending our daughters to fish rapists. <laughs> And on that note, I think everybody here has survived the zone of truth. As always, thank you so much, Haley, for your participation and producing this episode. This is very helpful, especially jumping back and forth between different camera angles. That was a very cool addition today. Very fun tonight. Very fun tonight. Um, Gosh, I hope you guys liked it. <laughs> uh, yes, me too. I've got a couple things that I want to plug before we get out of here. I do want to say that this episode drops on September 27th which means that as far as we know, as the time of uh, this recording, the gang is still going to be heading to Kennett Square for the Kennett Square Brewfest on October 2nd. For those of you who have tickets or are planning to attend, please, please, please reach out to us. We don't see most of you uh, face to face, so we don't know what you look like. Yeah, honestly, like, like best practice would be DM me on Discord with a picture of you. <laughs> Send me a selfie so I can recognize you. Send us the outfit you are planning on wearing that day uh, so we know to look for that. I mean, you could probably see me in a crowd. I'll be the dude with blue hair and a kilt. Mm, Yes, we definitely are doing kilts again this year. So, yes, just reach out to us because we want to meet all of you if you're making the trip out there. And I heard uh, Emily might be there. Ooh, that's true. A little special guest star. Guest star star on Gen Con stream. Guest star on... uh, on the Brewfest stream. That's right, yeah. So uh, not only will you be able to meet us, but you'll be able to meet Emily from STF, who uh, I've never met in person, but she's really cool. So that'll be fun. On that note, let's all head on over to the Drunken Discorderly channel for the after party here so we can hang out and talk more pirate stuff. Griffin, they survived the Zone of Truth. I think you did as well. Anything I, you want to say? I thought it was, you succeeded your will save, but. All right. Yeah, you succeeded. You're well saved, too. Happy 69th episode. Camera's really flustered you, Steve, but... It (laughs) truly has. Finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later.